research and, and understand the things that I need to learn. I talked to a couple of people that went to fashion school and they said, dude, you don't need to go to fashion school. You already have the fundamentals and the energy. All you needed to do is to learn the basic things like pattern cutting, like learning a garment construction and knowing how to sew and look at what you actually want to do. What is your purpose? Welcome to Fashion Forum, a series brought to you by the British Fashion Council, aimed at creating positive change and highlighting the relationship between the creative industries, celebrating not only fashion designers, but the broader creative community. I am Bernie Yates, widening participation educator, knitwear designer and outreach practitioner at Central St Martins. And today I'm the host of this episode, discussing non-traditional entries into the fashion industry, a topic that is at the heart of everything that I do in widening participation. So looking at alternative ways into the sector. And today, the conversations I have with so many young school children is around the possibilities of getting into the sector without spending four or five years at university. Looking at apprenticeships, internships, there's a great deal of small, shorter courses around now, which are fantastic. More and more are popping up all the time to support young people into the fashion sector, either setting up their own brands, which is so much easier now with all our online platforms and e-commerce, to the business and fashion communication aspect of the fashion sector. Joining me today are two very impressive guests, interestingly, from different parts of the industry, but I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves and also answer why fashion, why did they choose fashion, or why do you love fashion, and how fashion? How did you get into the industry? I'm going to go first. So why fashion? I studied art A-level and textiles A-level, and throughout the A-level course, got more interested in designing fashion, more broadly uh, knitwear for fashion, which is what I ended up doing after foundation. I didn't actually know I was going to go into being a knitwear designer until I did my fabulous foundation course in Blackpool. I remember visiting Kingston University, where I met Daphne Brooker, who was the powerhouse at that stage, running BA Fashion. And she said to everybody, if you want to come to Kingston to study fashion, which at that point I thought I wanted to, you need to do this foundation course in Blackpool. Of course, I'd never really heard of Blackpool by then, apart from Kiss Me Quick Cats. So off I went, packed my bags and did my foundation in Blackpool, which was incredible. It was diagnostic. You did try everything as you do on a foundation, but I ended up going full circle. I then studied fashion knitwear and that's what I ended up doing. So my love of fashion also came through my love of knitwear and making fabrics. So for me, my why has has led into how fashion. So it's very much, I guess, a more traditional route through the A-levels and through the foundation course and then the degree in fashion knit and then through into developing my own brand of Bernie Yates knitwear. So I'm going to ask our first guest to introduce himself <laughs> That, that was a great opening, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, and thanks for having me on the podcast. My name is Fode Dumbuya. I am the founder and the creative director of Labum London. Labum's been going on for about 
five years, coming six years now. I started Labum purely to tell West African story because I thought the mainstream media, the way they portray stories or fashion coming out of West Africa was completely wrong. So I feel like maybe I should do something to change the narrative. So I set up a Labum to tell untold stories about West Africa. Most importantly, I also wanted to leave a legacy for people whereby in 50 years or so, someone would have something to look back as a reference point. And because of some of the stories that I tell, kind of reflect back to the history, the culture. Because for me, we have this rich heritage about um, Africa, West Africa as a whole, which I think is untouched. And if you're not from the continent, sometimes I feel like you can easily have a misconception about the way things are in Africa and the way the fashion and, and textiles work there. So I think that was my aim to kind of get those messages across. So I started creating garments to tell those stories about this beautiful place that I know. Fast forward to that is it took me about three years for people to understand the story that I was trying to tell within fashion and within textiles. So I learned a lot from that. Like you have to educate people about the stories that the things that are important to you and the things that you're trying to portray about the brand. So I went on that journey of like every collection has a story, that story links back to the fabric. And, and also, even if we do a show, the show links back to the story that we're trying to tell about Africa. Bode, that's absolutely fantastic. And, and we'll hear more later about your journey into the industry. But I think it's really interesting to hear you talk about the multidisciplinary aspect of your brand and the storytelling, which I think is incredibly important to young people thinking about getting into fashion. Because it's not just about the garments, it's about the stories you tell and, and the lifestyle. Georgina, if you'd like to tell us the why and the how of your fashion story, that would be fantastic. I'm Chief Legal Officer at Manola Blanet. I have been for six and a half years now and I sit on the board. So I'm integral in strategic decisions that we make as well. I have co-founded a program called In-Law with Dr. Tunde Okawale. He is first generation British of Nigerian heritage. We really are targeting, I guess, widening participation within the legal profession, making sure that children from underrepresented backgrounds understand how to access a career in law, what it means, what they should be studying, and actually giving them experiences to know that they have a seat at that table. My entry into fashion, I mean... <laughs> The thing is, I'm a lawyer and I didn't set out to be a fashion lawyer. In fact, I always thought that law would give me the opportunity to continue to indulge in fashion in the way that I like. I grew up in a single parent family. I have such strong memories of my mum saving for and buying Salvatore Ferragamo's shoes and prioritising buying quality products, even though we didn't necessarily have a great deal of money. And also that idea that, and Fode, to your point about telling stories about, you know, how we present ourselves and, and getting ourselves ready for the day. And very much, I feel like that about my professional wardrobe. I love that we're back in working in person because I get up and I put on my professional clothes and I put on my professional makeup and I'm ready for the day and it doesn't morph into my home life. So 
I guess I had a really different entry. I'm a mergers and acquisitions lawyer by background, so transactional lawyer, which is really helping businesses to achieve objectives. And I, I started back in the early 2000s. I moved to London to travel. I met my English husband only six months later, and here I am 16 years on. I had the opportunity to join Manolo Blanick when I was at a real crossroads, and this is where it links into untold stories as well. I was in my very corporate role before at Westfield. So I kind of loosely always had a link to retail as well, but I had two children within 17 months of each other, my eldest two daughters, and I was going to my corporate role in town five days a week. I was not seeing my children before I left for work and I, I was really unhappy and I needed to find a way to continue to be the professional me and also to be a mother in the way that I wanted to be a mother. I was interviewing for various roles and the opportunity came up to interview at Manila. Of course, the brand was known to me. It was important to me. I've always liked fashion. Dressing has been a ritual for me and dressing for the different types of person that I can be at different times. Fast forward through a couple more rounds of interviews and sitting in the room and my final interview was with Manolo himself. And I just remember sitting there thinking, like, I can't actually believe this is happening to me. I can't believe I'm in this room. And I still have those moments when I'm in his room and he might be sketching and, and I've got the creative power of a rock, right? And so that blows my mind in itself that I could be near anyone with such extraordinary talent and creative power, but also that, and this is one of the big things and one of the big pieces of advice, and you know, we interview people all the time, working in fashion is like working in any other business. And so that's not enough. You know, you need to really desire to be great at what it is that you do, whether that's design or whether that's law or finance or any of the multitude of back office services that support a fashion business. It's absolutely fantastic to hear you talk and, and to get more of an insights into how you work. And of course, without you and your particular role, you know, it's not going to happen. The brands and designers aren't going to develop. A lot of young people I meet love fashion but don't necessarily have the skills like you were saying the creative skills but it's yeah. really great to hear you speak about that for me thinking about young people at schools the more they could have knowledge and into that part of the industry as well in terms of apprenticeships and internships I wanted to sort of start by asking what you wanted to do when you were growing up let's say when you were about 10 or even younger from mm. primary school year six into year seven, I see a big change, a big shift in the way young people look at creativity when they move into the secondary school. And then even when they're going from GCSEs to A-levels, whether it's possible to take art and design, whether you're really thinking about fashion, but you're not sure what qualifications to take, you know, did fashion ever cross your mind? Or, or was it possibly parents that influenced you was it going into further education for day yeah study information design which kind of encapsulates the output of what the screen that you use look like in terms of colors how human interacts with the interface of that so but for me i worked in fashion while i was studying at uni so i work in shops and i realized that i have a passion for it and i have a a passion for product design and storytelling 
but growing up as a kid, if you come from where I come from and having West African parents, telling them that you want to go to university to study fashion is not, is, is, <laughs> it's not an option. So you can't pursue that. So you have to find something that kind of acceptable to them. So because for them, it's like you have to do either engineering, a lawyer, a doctor, that's what's acceptable. So for me, my path was like going to university, do something that my parents deem as he's going to be um, an IT specialist, or he's going to be he's going to be designing screens that we use in hospitals and things like that. So it, it was easy for me to do that. Okay, now I finished the degree that my parents will accept as corporate degree. So I thought. This is not what I like. This is not what I love. I've always loved fashion. I've always loved clothes, product. I always loved storytelling. I was challenging myself. I was like, how can I put this together? Or what can I do? How can I get into the industry? Hence why I decided to do short courses in um, London College of Fashion and then private institutions. I'm like, I research and, and understand the things that I need to learn. I talked to a couple of people that went to fashion school and they said, dude, you do not need to go to fashion school you already have the fundamentals and the energy. All you needed to do is to learn the basic things like pattern cutting, like learning a garment construction and knowing how to sew and look at what you actually want to do. What is your purpose? So I think that helped me a lot in terms of getting me into where I am today. One thing I realized when I finished those courses is like the only way you can move forward is by doing things on your own as you go along. And I was like, so... The main thing is at Nike, when I was at Nike, they always talked about just do it, just do it. So I, I never understand the whole concept about just do it until I start my own brand and my own business. And then I realized I'm just doing it. Like every day I wake up, I set myself tasks and the things that I needed to learn. I speak to people that have more skill set than me that, that, that does, that, that did fashion. So I was like, okay, cool. I can do this and I can also help. And for me, it's also this idea of like bringing other people together with me and or sharing knowledge that I've learned along the way. So that's why I've embanked on like setting up a charity to try and give back and that knowledge that I gain because I didn't go through the traditional way of studying fashion. Really great. Thank you so much, Fodde. And I think, again, you know, I hear so much of what you're saying from the young people that I work with. And I didn't mean to laugh when you said that, you know, your parents said you have to become a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. You did miss out architect because a lot of the young people I work with, that's what I hear from them. If you go to art school, you could probably study architecture or spatial design or something because a lot of the parents see that as a profession like a doctor or a lawyer or going into <laughs> business. So it's it's really great to hear that from you and how you've taken this non-traditional route and to see how successful you are now and your brand is now. Georgina, I know you covered a little bit of this when you talked about your journey and having to go to boarding school, but was there anything in particular or any stage at school when you thought, you know, I know you've always loved fashion and it was more about the kind of dressing up and getting your heels on and looking fabulous, but was there anything before you got into law, your parents were trying to get you to do something that they thought was more credible as a career? I grew up with parents who had gone on to higher education. So I think there was probably an underlying assumption within me, maybe from the way that I'd grown up, that that would always happen. I definitely wanted to be a hairdresser in primary school. 
I moved on to boarding school and I think it was a lot more career focused than you know you start to be shaped by your environment and I think for a long time I thought I'd wanted to work in the health sciences mainly because both my parents are lawyers in fact I'm an eighth and my grandfather's a lawyer my uncle's a lawyer I think I'm number eight my cousins are lawyers so I actually got into law and dropped out straight away, which I wouldn't recommend anyone doing. I didn't even go to a lecture because I wanted to be an occupational therapist. doesn't really align with the fact that I can't quite cope with bodily functions and malfunctions. It really wasn't <laughs> the right career path. And I, I guess, Fode, I was laughing when you were talking about your parents because I think really ultimately where I got to in my high school education, it was really about securing a future for myself. I'd grown up in a single parent family. I'd seen my mum requalify from a primary school teacher to a solicitor after she separated from my father, which enabled her then to afford to send me to boarding school. But I didn't grow up in a luxurious environment at all. She was working very, very hard. And she started on her journey, her professional journey, 15, 20 years after a lot of other people started. And I saw the journey and the grit and determination that that took as well and the sacrifice that that took. From both of you, it's really interesting to hear. And it's something I touched upon in, in the introduction, the short courses and Fode, you going and doing short courses on pattern cutting and different things to get you into the industry so you can set up your own brand. More and more, I'm hearing young people talking about the fact that they'd like to do the shorter courses, learn more multidisciplinary. And some of them are free, Bernie. You know, yeah, some absolutely. Of them and some of the Russell Group universities are offering free online courses. And I think one of the things that we keep emphasizing through the in-law program is build your CV, you know, find moments that you can use to show potential. And it could be yeah. a, an internship that you're applying for, but, but, but potential 100%. employers, you know, what kind of person you are. And if that's that you are responsible for your siblings when you come home from school and you have to prepare a meal for them and supervise their homework, then to me, that is valid. But really yeah. starting to help people identify what life experiences they have had or challenges which build upon their real aptitude in the workplace and also that creating opportunities as well. Look for them and create them. Absolutely. And I think a lot of this goes back to school again and sort of careers yeah. advice school when, when young people can take internships in year 10 and later on in, in year 12. And I think it's looking for those internships and for anyone, any younger people outside of London, regionally, wherever you are, Google your local councils, look what community art centres there are out there that you can engage with, all of the programmes, art programmes they run, any short courses, as you said, I know the Russell Group runs some. If it doesn't exist, create, try and create yeah. the opportunity. Yeah, having, when you're younger, having those good people and having that support and mentorships, not something that's always accessible to young people. No. But you know, there are a lot more community arts groups around the country, around UK, that young people can find on their local council websites. I mean, for example, I work with one in Tower Hamlets, which is sponsored by um, Alexandra McQueen. And it's a fantastic programme where everyone in Tower Hamlets can come along and do art and practice art and find out more about the creative sector. 
because often they're not able to do this at school. So anyone listening that's interested in, you know, you can't actually do GCSEs at school because of timetable restraints or anything like that. There will be short courses near you that you can hook into to build that knowledge and build on that knowledge to create. Maybe you do want to go to university to help you create the portfolio or just as Fode said, short courses just to really understand more about the skills. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about your entry into the fashion industry. I wonder whether any particular barriers that you felt hindered you, slowed the process, made it difficult for you, or if you had any perceptions of what the fashion industry was about or any of those reputations as you entered? Well, for me, what I found difficult about it if you're not within that group, those group of people that attend the Centre St. Martin's and all the, the university that people deem as top university, it's difficult for you to break that barrier. So it's difficult for people to probably take you seriously as a designer, as a, as a creative director, because you, you're kind of outside of that. Like, how do you break that barrier? For me, it was to just shut that down in terms of like, okay, I'm, I'm not from here. I didn't go to this university, but I have a voice and I know what I want to talk about. And because I have that, I'm going to make sure I go through a different path and then just carry on and bring something different. For me, if you're asking me, I just I just wanted to grow and I just wanted to also just share knowledge and bring different culture together to become better. And it's not something I can learn from Central Samaritan or at school. And what I would love to, love to see is if there can be more funding for educational like programs and, and community development as well as support for like black owned businesses outside of just the hashtags. We need to look outside of the, the norm to kind of curb or bring something into life. So those barriers for me was it was hard, but then I find a different path. That's great, Fode. And I think thanks to you now, there is that opportunity for other young people to come through, develop their brands and not necessarily, like you say, having to go to the bigger institutions. But there's other ways around to doing it. I'm not saying that there isn't space for the bigger institutions because there definitely is for a certain type of student who wants that. Georgina, is there anything that you'd like to add for people to remember that fashion is a business so if you if you like fashion but maybe like me you're not necessarily a creative in the traditional sense think about other things there's so many back office functions that support fashion organizations or actually maybe you are are someone who's gifted with design and like Fode, you've gone out and you've secured your future through a you know a more traditional route maybe that isn't associated with design and maybe that's your entry in you know maybe you enter through a finance function and find very quickly that actually people move all the time within our business if they express an interest you know that's one of the amazing parts about our organization is really fostering the the talent within and people's desire to grow and evolve within the business you don't need to move to another brand to do that so really thinking about that there are other paths in and maybe it is that you know that's your entry as well that's less traditional but the bigger fashion houses have a full remit of support services of 
human resources, communications, facilities, logistics. Oh gosh, I'm really testing myself now. You know, there's, <laughs> there's management, there's executive assistant roles, there is legal, there's archive, it goes on and on. And obviously in smaller brands, maybe there are fewer of these opportunities, but equally those brands still need those functions. And you might end up doing a bit of finance and a bit of communications, a bit of design and a bit of finance. So yeah, there, there are so many ways to access this industry um, that I wasn't aware of before I joined, I have to say. I think that's a, a really important note to, to sort of make that there are a lot of these opportunities that perhaps a lot of young people don't know about or don't hear about. And also, you know, not forgetting older people who are wanting to change careers. I mean, we've, we've got a lot of that happening since the pandemic. People are, re are thinking about, yes. I've really always wanted to get into fashion. How can I do this? It's something I've always wanted to do. So it's not just about younger people. Our head of archive is incredible. She was a hairdresser for maybe more than two decades. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess we've come to the end of the conversation now. But before we go, we've all shared why fashion and, and how fashion. What I'd like to know from you now is now fashion. So what does fashion mean to you now? Or what do you think is the future of fashion? I mean, for me, the exciting part of it is watching all of these small shorter courses develop, watching young people wanting to get into that multidisciplinary aspect of fashion, learning more about business marketing as well as design and, and seeing all these social enterprises set up. And thanks to designers like Fode and Saul Nash, we're able to have a lot more young people of colour come through and really celebrate their designs and the way that they want to work. And more importantly, be who you are tell your stories and and that's what i'm really liking you know not thinking that you've got to be someone else or as fode says go to a certain institution and be like mm. that you can now be yourself develop that tell your stories and to me that's fashion now and that's really exciting mm -hmm. i think for me personally how i look at it is like it is exciting because now people are exploring looking outside the traditional way of how you look at a brand what stories that you find interesting people are more talking about their heritage how if whatever they come from africa asia or whatever and they come into europe and how that kind of succeeds with their lifestyle and they're willing to tell those stories and i think that's the exciting part where people feel free they can do what they want. They can have their own narrative and then tell it within fashion. And it's not just about the clothes anymore. It's about the story, everything around exactly. it. You see designers telling stories through music, poetry, and, and then showing film. And when we had the pandemic, you can't actually do a show. You have to create a film. So you have to push creativity like outside of the norm. So it, 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 was, it, it was beautiful to see. And then I think a lot of, things was born out of that now which for me is like that's the future it's like you don't just put out a collection out there you have to build a whole story and the narrative and the visual output of it is what brings everything to life now so 100%. yeah it's exciting where it is and I'm, I'm really happy I'm part of it 
Gosh, I seem to keep leveraging <laughs> Fode's answers. Just been incredible. I feel as though we're seeing a lot more, and I think it's a combination of a lot of things and the moment in time that we're in, but that actually there's an expectation now that fashion is more purpose-driven, that actually there's a consciousness around fashion as a business and the responsibility that fashion has to the future and to supporting the now as well, to recognizing that there are aspects of society that are not equal and not fair and supporting and challenging what were accepted positions. But I also think about thinking about what is the story that a brand or a particular collection wants to tell and support and and is that story valuable for the for the now and the future. So I'm I'm really personally quite passionate about the impact that particularly its larger brands can make in leading the way but also actually a lot of it too with I think smaller brands as well where you're so connected with your product that it's so much easier actually to make impactful changes because your supply chain might be smaller it's that you're in a unique position to really show some of the larger brands as well what best practice can be for our future in lots of different ways thinking about the ethical and thinking about the environmental impacts of collections that you produce 100 percent. i mean before i close i would just like to say you made a really interesting point Bode, that you said everybody wants to be a part of this now it's a really exciting platform it's a fantastic growing i would like to add that actually it's important that everybody can be a part of this whereas in the past they never thought they yeah, could that's be great. thank you so much for day dumbaya and georgina mcmanus for joining us in this conversation today i am bernie yates and you've been listening to the bfc fashion forum if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend. And if you want to discuss further, drop your comments at, at British Fashion Council on Instagram. And as I said, you too can be a part of this. Oh.